Thank you for tuning in to Beyond the Dais, a podcast about the stories taking place in and around El Paso County, Colorado. I'm your host, Scott Anderson, and my guests today are both from the Department of Human Services Center on Fathering. Uh, they are Rick Gonzalez, who is the supervisor here, and Gary Grambort, a social caseworker. How are you guys doing today? I'm Great. doing well, Scott. Thank you. Thank you. Good, good. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to talk to you guys today. Uh, but before we get into things, I wanted to quickly add that if listeners are interested in more stories about people doing good in and around El Paso County or hearing from county leadership about local government priorities and how they operate, you can find additional episodes of this podcast on your podcast platform of choice. But to get into things here, like I usually like to do, I was wondering if you guys could start off by giving me some of your background prior to coming to the, your current position. Uh, Rick, let's go ahead and start with you. Okay. I began um, employment with El Paso County DHS in 2008, January, uh, where I was a caseworker. It was a caseworker back in the day, not social caseworker. Um, and I did intake work, uh, completing assessments for child welfare intake um, specifically the domestic violence unit. And I did that for almost eight years, at which time I uh, moved positions to family engagement meeting facilitator, where I um, facilitated family engagement meetings for our caseworkers and our families. Um, I did that from 2015 till November of last year, uh, which... uh, is when I became the supervisor for Center on Fathering. Very good. And then, Gary, how about you? I uh, uh, retired from the military in 1997 and uh, as an investigator and wanted to get back into the investigation business, so I saw an advertisement for child support investigator and got the position, but really wasn't doing investigations. I wasn't happy doing it. And a position opened up with what they called was the Parent Opportunity Program which was helping what they call non-custodial parents find employment and connect with their kids. Uh, that started in 1997, and I got the bug and been doing it ever since. A position opened up with the Center on Fathering uh, 10 years ago, and uh, I, I went to work with the Center on Fathering and uh, been loving it ever since. Very good. Uh, so can you tell me a little bit about the Center on Fathering and the role that each of you play in its operation? Uh, Rick, as the supervisor for the Center on Fathering, uh, what is it that you do and what does the center itself do? Well, um, we provide services uh, free of charge for dads. We have a group, um, support group for dads that uh, can sit down and, and have discussion about what's going on with them. Um, we have a fathering class and we have a caring dads class as well as a fit class. Uh, which um, one of our caseworkers, uh, Donna, does, uh, and she refers to it as a baby boot camp. So it's <laughs> for new dads that just um, aren't expecting or have just become a dad um, mm-hmm. and don't know, you know, the basics right. of caring for a newborn baby. So Donna walks them through that process. I believe it's about a four-hour class, and... Um, she, she loves it as well as, as the dads um, yeah. that are, you know, about to be a new dad. Yeah. No, that's great. As a father of four myself, uh, I can 
I can say for certain that there's no manual that comes along with being a father. Right. So any kind of class that would help with that kind of stuff, I could see how that could be valuable. Uh, Gary, how about for you? Yeah. Uh, as Rick said, all of our services are free. We do several types of services. Uh, we've got uh, three distinctive classes that we do. He mentioned Donna's Fit class. Uh, we do the 15-week uh, Fathering for Life class, which meets one night a week. It's an educational class to help dads uh, enhance their child's development. Our Caring Dads class is a, uh, a more comprehensive, I would call it a behavioral change class uh, for dads to change their behavior from abusive behavior, uh, violent behavior, uh, to become more child-centered. Uh, we also have a support group like Rick mentioned that meets one night a week. It's peer-led, and that's uh, really designed to help other dads, dads that have been there and done it, to help dads that are going through this uh, really trying experience, to not self-sabotage, to, uh, uh, to not lose their cool and, and get a restraining order or a domestic violence charge. Uh, we have what we call as a legacy project uh, where we attempt to have a, a social gathering for dads, which is free, and their children once a month to get them together and to socialize and uh, uh, we do a weekly, excuse me, monthly newsletter for dads, uh, which I guess, for lack of a better description, continuing education. So that's in a nutshell what we do. Yeah. No, yeah. Very, very good. So, um, you know, you mentioned dads, you mentioned fathers. It is called the Center on Fathering. Do you have to be a father to participate in these classes and to get this information? Um, so... What we work with is anybody in a fathering role, which could include um, a grandparent who perhaps suddenly got custody of uh, one of their grandchildren or multiple grandchildren. Um, if mom has a boyfriend, stepdad, you know, um, we cater to them as well. Um, I believe we even have older siblings that have come into our program um, to learn you know, basic fathering techniques so they can raise their younger siblings. Mm -hmm. We work with anybody in a fathering role, Scott. Uh, that includes an emotional father, uh, like Rick mentioned. Uh, it could be a stepfather. Uh, we work with teen fathers. I believe the youngest uh, uh, father we worked with was 13. The oldest father we worked with was 86 years old. We also work with tran uh, transgender fathers. Anybody in a fathering role. Very good. Yeah. So you mentioned some of those uh, classes that exist, the Caring Dads class, um, the peer-led support classes. When you are a part of those classes for yourselves or when you're teaching those classes, what, is, what does it mean to you to be a part of that, to see kind of the lights go on in, in heads as people are able to learn something new or to, you know, something comes across to them? Wow, Scott, that's a wonderful question. Uh, I will be honest that we do have some dads that uh, take the class uh, to, in my words, get their ticket punched mm -hmm. uh, because they're required to take the class. But dads that take the class voluntarily or to learn something, that's, how do I explain it? Uh, I'll tell you a story and I'll see if I can do it without a tear in my eye. Right. Uh, it was some while ago we were doing what, uh, uh, for the Parent Opportunity Program, doing what we called was a uh, conference call where we connect uh a parent that hasn't had contact with their child, with their child. 
and it's a supervised phone call. The mother, uh, we contacted the mother. She said, okay, but I want to let him know that if he screws up this time, he will never get to see his daughter and how wonderful she is. She was very advanced. She knew what she wanted to do. She played violin. She wanted to be a veterinarian, eight years old. And uh, um, I told the dad this. He got online with his daughter, and they were talking, and uh, she asked him, Dad, I'm going to try and tell this story without breaking down. Daddy, why did you take so long? to connect with me and he teared up and thank God uh, I had the speaker off and uh, he said well your mom and I had some problems we had to get taken care of and he started sobbing and this little eight-year-old girl uh, said daddy you don't have to cry Uh, you can never have too many people in the world that love you and now I've got another one I can't top that. I can't top that. That's why we do what we do. Yeah. Yeah, and I I would imagine you see plenty of situations where you know it's not the best outcome, right? And and that's oh yeah, that that's life, right? And and that's and that's what happens. But I think what's great is both of you and and your teams are here to try and create the type of outcomes that you just mentioned. And I think, like you said. There's no topping it. It's, it's the ultimate goal, I would imagine, for you. Yeah. To have the little kids come into class, we do what we call as father and play uh, on week nine. And uh, to see them play with their fathers, to have them run up and give you a hug. And I can't explain it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. yeah. Best job ever. Yeah. Rick, for you as the supervisor on the Center on Fathering, uh, this, is, this is kind of all under your umbrella, I would imagine. Uh-huh. When you see outcomes like this and you know that your uh, team is experiencing things like this, uh, what does it do for you to reassure you that, one, that you have the right team in place and the outcomes are what you're hoping them to be? Yeah, when um, I did family um, engagement facilitation, I remember um, several meetings that I did where we were close to the end of a meeting and, and parents were reunited with their children or the children were able to go home um, since all the safety was addressed and and parents were ready to have them home. So seeing that happiness, seeing that um, joy with dads and and moms um, really made me feel good. Um, When I hear stories like that, I mean, obviously, and this is what makes Gary great. He's very passionate about what he does, as well as, as uh, our other two workers, Sydney and Donna. They're all very passionate for what they do. They wouldn't be here if they didn't like what, you know, working with, with our population, the dads that we have. Um, but that's, it just makes me very proud of Gary right now just to hear him say that, that story and, and um, see how um, emotional he got. And, and, um, Did I? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. But um, seeing that reward, I mean, it's not even just a reward for our dads. It's a reward for our staff as well. Um, When we have graduations and we're discussing, you know, in our team um, how each dad did and um, the success stories and, and, um, you know, dads that are like, oh, now I I can go to the courts. I can show them that I completed this class and... Uh, move forward from there. Um, actually, we do keep in touch with all our past dads. 
Um, we have an email list that's very, very long that we um, try to continue to have the past ads come into our, and I'd like to talk about the legacy project or have Gary discuss um, the legacy project, but um, bringing them back into the fold and, and having them um, participate in our legacy project and the events that we do. Very good. Well, why don't we talk about that legacy project? I don't know anything about it, so you can, oh, okay. can share with me about the, what the legacy project is. Uh, so the legacy project, uh, the, the, the goal or the mission of the legacy project is to connect dads uh, in, a, in a social setting with their children. Um, I guess I, I could say that we as men, uh, when it comes to socialization, uh, yeah, uh, and to socialize with other fathers, but the the idea is 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 to get dads together with their children to socialize and build those connections. Um, I can tell you, uh, my experiences would work with working with dads is men just don't want to admit they got a problem. It's not manly. And we don't want to ask for help because it's not manly. But if you get a group of us together with the same issue, uh, connecting with our kids, having issues connecting with our kids, look out. It, it You can't shut us up. And uh, that's one of the ideas of getting uh, the group together for men to socialize with their children, to share their experiences, and to build friendships with other dads to build, I would guess, a community of fathers here in El Paso County. So we try monthly to, to hold at least one uh, event for dads, free for dads and their children uh, to get together. We've had uh, Build It and Breakfast with Dad, uh, where we served waffles, got the kids all sugared up, and <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, built uh, uh, Lowe's projects with their dads took them home. Uh, we've had uh, breakfast and karaoke with dads. Uh, <laughs> that, that was a wonderful experience. We've had reunion barbecues. Uh, we had guided meditation just not too long ago at the soccer house. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Every month we try and do an activity. We've also got a, a person to garden plot at Bear Creek. Uh, for the dads to bring their kids out and put something in the ground and watch it grow. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, wonderful idea. Yeah, no, that, that's really neat. Um, one of the things you mentioned a little bit earlier is uh, the idea that some sometimes, and maybe more often than not, uh, fathers come in and are getting their ticket punched, right? And that that's, that's the idea, at least at the start. Yeah. First of all, I, I guess this is two questions, and we'll take them one at a time. The uh, first question is, what is it like to see someone come in with that attitude and then leave with a different attitude? Not, oh, I got my ticket and punched, I'm out of here. It more of, wow, that was actually really valuable, and I'm going to use this moving forward. Man, uh, how do you describe that? Uh, I played baseball as a kid, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, 
it was like hitting your first home run or your only home run. I think that, yeah, yeah, something similar to that. Yeah, knocking one out of the park. I hope that my family listens to this podcast and goes, <laughs> Gary, you never hit a home run in your life. <laughs> I was going to say, I can't, right. I can't relate okay. to that feeling, but okay. I, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. To make that connection with the dad, to make him realize his influence, his role with his child or children. Oh, I, I was thinking um, along the lines, you know, of, of, you know, metaphorically speaking, don't judge a book by its cover. I mean, yeah, you're going to have to been court-ordered or you've been uh, asked by your probation or whoever, you need to take this class. I think, you know, it's kind of like um, when the dads first start and don't want to, they're kind of like, oh, you know, I have to do this 15 weeks, you know, this is a waste of time. But from what I, I understand and from what, what um, Gary and, and the other caseworkers have told me is, you know, they, they start growing. They start learning, oh, well, I'm not the only one going through this. This dad has the same kind of situation that I do. Um, you know, it gives that opportunity for them to, to share stories, bond, and continue uh, through the program successfully. So I think it's just a a matter of, you know, something you have to do to when they get through it, it's like something they eventually wanted to do, and um, they're glad that they they completed it. I can say after doing how many intake assessments, one of the questions we ask is, what's your hopes and dreams for your kids? And uh, even the ones that have been court-ordered to take this class that are really a bit hesitant about taking it. You know, I've raised five children and I'm, they've all turned out well. Every one of them, every one of them has said, my hopes and dreams for my children are that they have a better life than me, that they're happy and successful. So, yeah. 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 No, I, and that's, that, that's really great how you have sort of that common thread between a lot of the people who are involved and a lot of uh, programs, a lot of these types of service programs have those support group type components where everyone is able to see it's not just me. I'm not by myself on this journey. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly I've been able to speak with a number of different organizations at this point and see that that model exists for a reason and it works for a reason. Uh, but in your estimation, why is that support group style of learning uh, so important, especially to something that might seem as basic as fathering, but of course, as we all know, is not is anything but basic, <laughs> I think would fair to say. Uh, um, having done, gosh, I don't know how many classes now, it, it's so refreshing, I'll use that word, mm -hmm. to see dads after class get together in the parking lot, uh, in the classroom, and have that conversation with one another going like, hey, let me tell you what happened this week, or man, I got to connect with my kids this week, and to share that. And I think it goes back to saying again that, Men really don't express their issues or problems unless they're in a group setting where we all have the same issues or problems and to share and to support one another. If I could describe it, uh, 
I would call it like a brotherhood of fathers. And I think, too, one of the things that's important to talk about is when people come in and are a part of these programs, or maybe they are on the outside looking in, they don't really know what the Center on Fathering is. Uh, what are some of those misconceptions that people have about the Center on Fathering? And why do you think it's important to clear those up and to uh, make known the programming that you guys have and what you do for the community? Well, from my experience with um, past professionals, um, I remember one specific meeting I was in that uh, Center on Fathering was just a way for dads to sit in a circle and complain about DHS. Um, and I believe that individual did come to, to um, the Center on Fathering and observe some, some of the um, activities that we do and, and um, was explained the, the program. So that was one thing that, that was like a misconception that I, I saw, I mean, personally and heard. Um, and, of course, you know, that's, that's not the purpose of this program for dads to, to sit in a circle and complain about their um, DHS case. <laughs> right. I, I'm going to say that not necessarily a misconception but a misunderstanding is the Center on Fathering uh, can give you all the tools well, I hope all the tools you're going to need to be a better parent, a better father. But like any mechanic, like any construction person, it's what you do with the tools. It's what you do with the tools. And it's saddening for me to have you walk out the door after 15 weeks and not putting any of it uh, to use. Yeah. yeah. No, that makes sense. And do you have you found yourself in places where you see people coming back after, you know, having to go through the process one or more times? Um, I'm going to quote an old statistic. Uh, uh, well, not that old. Uh, that came from our former uh, supervisor. I believe we have a 90%, I was going to say recidivism rate, but that wouldn't be incorrect, a 90% success rate, which means that dads don't come back to the department. Wow, 90%. That seems really, really great. I'm sure, though, that after uh, some of the fathers, some of the people who are part of these classes come into it, they want to come back of their own accord. Uh, do you see that happen, and are there any programs that they're a part of uh, when it comes to that? Scott, we've got, again, I'm so blessed, um, some really wonderful people that have been through this program that uh, after they graduated our class to come back and said, is there any way that I can help out? I'm so invested in this and believe in it. And we've uh, created, uh, well, the Center on Fathering has always had what they call a father-to-father -father mentorship program. Uh, dads that have been there and done it, earned their stripes, <laughs> and now are helping other fathers uh, go through this, this, uh, this journey. I like just say uh, to walk alongside them, give them advice, and again, make sure that they don't self sabotage. And also, uh, something we didn't talk about is their mental health. Going through this, it, it, it's very difficult. You could see it with fathers going through this. So to make sure that they're okay mentally. So, yeah, very good. Um, well, the, we're about to wrap things up here, and I just wanted to give each of you an opportunity. Uh, to add anything else that you think maybe we uh, haven't talked about at this point that is important or uh, drive home a point that we you maybe you made earlier that you think is important. Uh, Gary, we'll start with you. 
Uh, I just turned 70. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, turned 70. And uh, I never thought that, uh, gosh, I've been working with dads. So it'll be 27 years come September. And if you would have asked me 27 years ago if I'd be sitting in this chair talking about fatherhood and, and how important it is to me and to every dad out there, uh, it's changed me. It's helped me grow. I have got the best job, I think, in the world. Um, and I never realized until I did it just how important it is. Very good. Thank you for that. And Rick, how about you? I, I agree uh, with Gary 100%. And, um, you know, my children are grown. And as a father, if um, I would have known about this program when I was younger, and um, the program has been going on since 1994. I 95. Yeah. 95. Um, yeah, if, when, you know, in the mid-2000s when I became a dad, I would have loved to take in one of these because um, – Scott, I think, as you said earlier, you know, there's no manual or anything <laughs> to, to um, follow. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I would have loved to have taken this program. And I just kind of want to reiterate that, yeah. you know, this is a free program mm -hmm. for the community. Um, you don't have to be DHS involved. You don't have to have a case or an assessment open. Um, anybody can come in and, and walk in and... and and ask for services or call. Um, I do want to let everyone know we do have a Facebook page that um, you can go on and, and contact us on, um, as well as on the DHS homepage. We do have the, the link to the Center on Fathering. Um, we are going to be, and my goal for the next year is to um, get out into the community more and spread the word, you know, we're here. We would like for anybody who's interested in our program to come out. So um, there are several um, job fair or excuse me, provider fairs that we attend throughout the year um, at the judicial building. Um, we have a few coming up, uh, I believe, in, in November and December. And we will be working on getting into other types of events um, so we could get the word out. Um, to anybody that would like to, to take our program and, and um, like Gary said, get those tools that, that you can use. All right, great. So on Facebook, you would search Center on Fathering. And Correct. that's how you would find it. And then uh, to go to the website, you would go to humanservices.elpasoco.com. And you said there's a link for Center on Fathering on yes. that homepage. Very good. Well, thank you, Rick and Gary, for your time today. Thank you for sharing the stories that you did. I think it's super impactful for people in the community to be able to hear the services that the county offers, especially this one. I think it's one that may, probably a lot of people don't know even exists and something that they can take advantage of. So thank you for taking the time today and helping to make that known. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, thank you, Scott. Thank you, Scott. If you're interested in listening to additional episodes of Beyond the Dais, you can find us on Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.